Let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there. This is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle. A big mistake I see are investors are like, no, they don't want to work with me. Screw them. Well, that should be a good sign that they don't want to work with you if you're trying to do that type of stuff. Hey, your rich uncle here. I get a lot of really bad deals sent through my inbox. I don't know how you guys get my email address from time to time, but we're gonna go through some things that just have gotten me just dumbfounded. And I've got my big black ugly stick here and we're gonna knock these out because if you see these in deals, run away, run the heck away. So this first one's pretty obvious, right? Like we wanna work with professionals here. So if the email comes through as so-and-so gmail.com or even worse, probably aol.com or hotmail.com, we'll already know that I'm working with somebody who just hasn't figured out how to get a domain name connected to an email service provider. Now, it's not that hard these days, you just go get a YouTube video, but it, I think that at least shows a little bit of business savvy and professionalism. Not to say that, you know, somebody who can't operate a real estate investment or a large apartment or mobile home park fund can't do it, but it's, it's like, come on guys, like get yourself a non-personal free email account. Now, the next thing that I've kind of seen, you know, I've seen a lot of like email pitches and especially webinar pitches. And the one thing I don't like is, you know, seeing these really forceful and pushy um, arguments. Like I used to be an engineer, so I'm a lot about the numbers, right? Like don't give me all this sales copy that I'm just buying a $49 product and repeat it in different languages for like eight pages lengths and put, you know, commit here, commit here, commit here, button here, there, and there. So I think like the numbers should kind of sell the deal itself. If something is coming across is just too forceful. I don't know, to me, it's just a sign of a bad deal and somebody who's just a little bit too desperate for capital or investors. Now this is a common one, you know, like it's just, it comes through as a very informal email, but it's like a pitch nevertheless, and it's coming from like a broker. This is very common. Brokers get access to a lot of deals, but most brokers don't know how to operate real estate, right? They don't know how to pull the deal together. Just because somebody has deal flow access doesn't mean that they can pull it all together. You know, I see like these brokers, what they'll do is they start to acquire lists of investors and they start to build trust with their investors. And then they just willy nilly just shoot out a deal to their investors. And I don't know, it's just to me, it's just a kind of a lower level sophistication and it's a quick sign of a sucker deal. Next is this use of like a non-disclosure statement. And when I see this most times, I'm kind of like, well, first of all, you should never go into a deal where you don't know, like, or trust the person, right? And you know, this is bad legal advice, but you know, if you have to sign something, you probably shouldn't be working with them in the first place. But a lot of the times you see some of these emails or deals come out where they're very heavy in the beginning where, well, we're not gonna show you until you sign this document for us. And part of it is just like marketing, right? They wanna make it seem like it's special, it's, it's exclusive. You can't see it until we get this signed by you. I don't know, it's just kind of a snake oil salesman type of magic to me. 
Next one I've seen is just like, you know, questionable employees and assistants, you know, I think a lot of times you'll see a deal being pushed around. We call this in the industry daisy chaining, it's just chaining together and sending out one person sends out the deal and they say to the other guy, hey, send this out, see who you have interested. If they come in, we'll give you some money. And then that kind of continues on and daisy chains and daisy chains from there. Um, this is very common in the wholesaler realm where one wholesaler will get a property, send it out to his list, and those guys will sell it out to somebody else by pumping up the price an extra $1,000 or two to 3% finder's fee. I mean, by the time it gets to the person, I mean, there's so many middlemen. I mean, this is just how the stock market Wall Street works. But if nobody grabbed it on the first rung, then was it really a good deal? So another sign of a quick sucker deal. The next thing to be on the lookout for is, you know, in any investment, there's risk. You cannot say like, you know, guarantee returns of this, this or this. I think when, you know, you see sophisticated operators, you know, go up and give a full on pitch. Now they're very tactful and how, what verbiage and what names they use. For example, you know, we're very careful saying, you know, these are not dividends, right? Dividends are implied as their kind of guarantee payments, um, kind of like dividends coming off of a stock or something like that. Instead, you know, the terminology should be used as distributions, right? Which distributions come after profits. If there's no profits, there's no distributions, right? And that's kind of where the risk comes in. Um, so if you got somebody running off, you know, it's a surefire way of kind of figuring out that, you know, they're just a kind of a newbie doing this or maybe they're just desperate, right? And if they're desperate, it's probably not a good deal to start off with. Now, this next thing is something that I've been guilty of in the past when we were first getting started on our first several deals, you know, minimum investments. To most deals out there, you know, for bringing in investors to onboard them, doing an extra tax return, going through the, you know, taking on the risk of a new person that you haven't worked with in the past in the form of a passive investor, you know, to bring them in under like $50,000, it's just not worth it. You know, part of that is, and a lot of syndicators will talk about this, when you start to bring in those investors under $50,000 are typically non-accredited. And they're the guys that are always trying to get a discount, right? These are the guys who are quite frankly annoying and they are the 80-20, where the 20% that cause you 80% of the problems. So, you know, if you're kind of like that person who always likes to be a, get a discount, stop doing that, right? Because even other people, your peers know that about you and maybe that's probably not the reason why you're not progressing in terms of your network. But getting back to, you know, looking at deals in this perspective, if somebody's willing to take 10, 15, 25, 30 grand as a minimum investment. Now, unless you've already built a relationship with them, I would really question, right? Is this person just desperate and trying to just limp this deal across the finish line so they can close it? Or are they being discriminatory on who they invest, right? A big mistake I see are investors are like, no, they don't wanna work with me, screw them. Well, that should be a good sign that they don't wanna work with you if you're trying to do that type of stuff because they have investors that trust them and because they have a track record where people trust them and they don't have to go to those lower levels. Large, big institutional investors, they're typically having minimums of about $100,000, $250,000. Why? Because they built up that track record and they don't have to slumlord it in these like lower rungs with these more cheapskate investors. And, you know, as an operator, I brought in investors for that lower amount. And oftentimes I've learned my lesson and regretted it myself. And I've done this as a passive investor, but 
you know, I mean, I think it's it's kind of a surefire way of spotting out a sucker deal. Uh, another way of looking for, you know, sucker deals is like in the email copy or in the verbiage, you know, is the salesperson, investor relations person, are they kind of like bamboozling, moving you towards a quick, decisive question? Are they saying, oh, we're going to be filled up, you know, by tonight, you better make a decision. Are they kind of using verbiage like there's only two more slots available, right? Like if I heard that, if I had like a dollar every time I heard that I'd be a millionaire right now. Uh, I'd probably be rich right now and I probably wouldn't need to invest in the first place. So what I would say is like, you know, you want to work with people that are going to be honest to you. I don't think it's right to ask, well, how much money do you have raised right now? Well, it doesn't matter. Get off of that. Stop investing off social proof of things that don't matter, right? It should be the numbers. The deal should drive itself and you as an investor should know if it's a good deal in the first place, irregardless if other people are investing or overloading the deal. Because sometimes you have operators that can raise a heck of a lot of money from unsophisticated investors. And that's probably not the deals that you wanna be going into in that case. But you know, those are just some things I've kind of seen. Um, just wanna get that off my chest. If you guys seen some other weird things out there, feel free to drop into the comment section below. Check out Simple Passive Cash Flow. shoot me an email on there. Let me know what you guys have been seeing. And maybe we'll do a fun video after this again. But yeah, anything you guys need, let me know. Rich Uncle out. Bye. Lane is not a lawyer, CPA, but the dude did quit his engineering job and now owns thousands of rental properties. Learn more about the secrets of the wealthy. Join our community at thewealthelevator.com slash club. And if you're looking for a longer form podcast, also subscribe to the Wealth Elevator podcast.